Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Today's podcast is a little off topic for us. Um, we've, we've stayed mostly to bow hunting and archery type um, products and, and content. Uh, this week, um, we, we talked with Walter Lee from the Chasing Tales podcast. He is hosting an online bass fishing tournament. And uh, Walt's a good friend of the show, a good friend of, of John and, and myself, and um, wanted to bring him on and, and kind of let you guys kind of in on that. I know there's a lot of listeners that uh, are avid fishermen, and, you know, as outdoorsmen, you know, we kind of do everything that we can to get outside and and, uh, and enjoy nature and, and uh, all things, you know, outdoor sports. So... I want to bring him on there and, and kind of let all the listeners kind of know what's going on. And you'll see that uh, by listening to the episode that I'm not much a fisherman. So there's a lot of John and Walter talking about their love of fishing and my ineptitude at fishing. So, uh, you know, hopefully you'll enjoy the episode. And uh, it's it was a fun one to record, that's for sure. Um, also, real quick, I just wanted to say our friends over at Gear Rack, are having a buy one, get one free sale on their bino harnesses. So right now, until they're gone, they've got two bino harnesses for 75 bucks. If you use the code Chronicles, you get 5% off of that. So it's like $71 shipped for two bino harnesses. And if you haven't seen them, um, I've got a review video up on our YouTube. So you can check it out. I took it out west. My brother just taking it... Uh, out to South Dakota and like my whole family's running them. Um, they're real nice, basic, uh, bio harnesses. So if you're in the market or if you're on the fence, don't know what one you want. Um, it's really hard to beat a bio harness for 35 bucks. So, uh, definitely check them out. Gearrack.com and, uh, check out our YouTube. I just, you know, if you haven't seen the video of me missing the Turkey, that one is, uh, 
that one's on there. I've got one coming up uh, with Frank here real soon um, of him missing a turkey as well. So uh, that'll be up there um, probably within a week or two. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, what's going on right now in, in, in our world. And I hope you uh, enjoy the show. And here we go. Shut up and sit down. All right, everybody, Adam, John, and Walt today for the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Walter Lee from Chasing Tales. We had him on, I would say, about a year or so ago, and uh, we talked about a lot of different uh, things, mainly target panic, I think, was one of them that came to mind. I was trying to go back through everything that we, we talked about, and uh, you know, his platform, I think, has kind of shifted. It's kind of branched out a little bit more into the actual chasing all the tails instead of just yeah. uh deer hunting and uh so i wanted to bring him on and kind of kind of talk catch up i i talk to walt probably once a week uh message him definitely once a week um and we we kind of catch up and i guess i kind of take for granted you know that that our listeners are you know kind of know what's going on down there in the in the south and he wants to get up here in the snow and he says it's so great and <laughs> You know, we're here to tell them that that's not true. So, how you doing tonight, Walt? I am doing good, man. I, I am uh, embracing the 85 degree heat index of 95 degrees and just uh, slumping into the to the midsummer slump here. It's uh, it's hot, it's humid, everything's starting to bite, and it's just that time of year. <laughs> that sounds terrible. I mean, the, the the turkey that I missed the other day was at 18 degrees, so it was. I, well, you hit him. <laughs> well, yeah, well. He hit him. That's not very well. Well, Maybe yeah. it was the cold. Maybe that was the problem. Yeah. But, I, didn't, I didn't sight in for that temperature. Yeah. My bow was, a, it's that, I had my warm weather bow. Yeah. Um, my spring bow. And, and five yards, it was just, that was quite a poke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I told you this before. You brought up how I talked about loving the snow. It's It's one of those things where, you can always put on clothes. Eventually, you start getting in trouble for taking it off. And then, in fact, if it's hot outside, it's probably sunny, and you're going to get sunburned too. If you're if you're ginger like me, I don't do well with the sun. And if all you're wearing is a tethered mantis, you're going to have some <laughs> weird tan lines. And I mean, maybe some body paint will give you those tan lines as well. But oh my gosh, if, for the folks out there that are listening that haven't seen it, don't. Um, <laughs> I don't know how it came across or what, but, uh, there are some very incriminating pictures of Walter on the saddle hunter Facebook page that honest to God, I don't believe they paid him, but you couldn't pay me to do that. And I'm pretty bold. I mean, <laughs> what, was, what was your first thought? Did you recognize that that was me the first time you saw it? I threw up and then I, <laughs> I, I wiped my mouth and I couldn't get it off my browser fast enough. I had to delete my cookies. Mission accomplished. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess they say that there's, uh, you know, no bad publicity, but gosh, that's, <laughs> that, that's out I've there no forever. Shame, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're great. Yeah, you know, I, one of the things we talk about with the podcast is, you know, for, for, for my daughter and, and, and John's kids and, you know, for Frank's, you know, 
grandkids' legacy, our legacy. It's something that you can always go back to, <laughs> and that's part of your legacy now. Listen, if that is the worst I'm judged for uh, when the time comes, I, I think I'm, I'm doing okay, man. I mean, so the backstory for anybody who's wondering what the heck just had, we're talking about here, they're on Facebook, there was this big – big uh dad bod rocking uh ginger guy with a goatee and he got dressed up in like a lineman's belt and was like hanging from a tree and like speedo or something it was like a lime green speedo i can't even remember what it was and he was just doing all these like real like sexy poses and stuff like that and greg from tethered posted and said anybody who does this uh you know we'll make it worth your while extra points if you put iheart uh ernie which is his co-founder on his belly well, Michael Pike from the Southern Ground uh, Southern Ground Podcast is like, man, I bet you won't do it. I, I triple dog dare you. Well, I mean, that's all it took right there. I mean, yeah, I've got nothing to hide. I work really hard on this body. Um, it, it's about uh, 64 ounces of creamer in my coffee uh, a day and, and, and cheese puffs and everything. So I figured, you know, why, why keep that to myself? Why not just embrace this life, this lifestyle? So I dressed up in my saddle, my Kiss Me on My Irish Boxers, my Roper boots, <laughs> my bucket, my green hunting bucket hat, and I got my wife to write "I Heart Ernie" across my my belly with like a like a heart around my belly button, and then like on my biceps, I wrote "Greg is okay too," and then on my back, I put like a tethered tramp stamp, and uh, pretty much broke broke the saddle hunter group there for a little while. It was it was a good time, and it's it's turned into a variety of memes that to this moment are still coming to my uh, to my inbox. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so uh, transitioning very quickly away from that, uh, you, you talk about your uh, physique and uh, you've got an elk hunt coming up this this fall, correct? Yeah. And yeah. So it's coming quick. How's the, the preparation coming for that? It's sucking wind, man. Uh, <laughs> I I was doing a lot of running and uh, I was training for a, for a, a 5K, which I would have been taking right about doing right about now, and then I would have been doing a five uh, 10K not long afterwards uh, coming up, and I ended up tearing the microfascia that hold the Achilles tendon to my heel, and the the podiat podiatrist, I don't know, the, the foot doctor said that. Um, I needed to keep running on it and just do some stretches that my legs are too tight, which is a known issue of mine, but that just made it worse. And I couldn't get the, the legs, the, the muscles and the tendons to loosen up and it was pulling and starting to cause some pain. So I just now went, uh, probably the first two weeks where I could walk and not, uh, feel any kind of pain. I can still kind of feel those microfascia pulling and they're a little sensitive, but there's no pain involved. So I'm going to go through with the trip because I put a lot of time and energy into it and I'm going to do the best I can, but it's going to be a suck fest. <laughs> it's going to be really bad and I might die on the side of the mountain. And so uh, what's the the outline for the trip? Where are you headed? What are you hunting with? And uh... Yeah, so I'm actually not hunting. This is a tag along hunt. Um, one of the things that I have learned through uh, a variety of podcasts, listening to the Born and Raised guys and, and, and Randy Newberg, is just to get out there and do what you can when you can. You know, don't start, don't stop the process just because you can't do it in an ideal fashion. Um, so my uncle's outfitted with me, outfitted me with all like you know the vast majority of the gear, the bag, pack, um, you know, jackets, all kinds of stuff. And all I have to do is is buy some of the accessories and the and like the the food to go right the, the, the trip and just get out there 
And instead of trying to hunt this year, we're going to do a tag along hunt. My best friend and I are going to fly out there. He, I'm going to meet him in Atlanta. We're going to fly out to Denver, Colorado, where my uncle lives. And we're going to hunt backpack into the mountains and hunt with him. He's been out there for seven or eight years, has a good time doing it. Um, and really, you know, with college wrapping up, with my studies wrapping up, I'm going to be able to start taking these trips uh, across the country. And I've got someone who's willing to teach me. Um, he's very logical with how he does things just because the industry says you should pack this. He doesn't do that. He, he, uh, he believes in, you know, uh, not buying into the hype and doing things the, the way that make the most sense. So we're going to do a, uh, a camper on the side of the highway and we're going to backpack in and out every day instead of trying to lug all of our stuff in. And the, the purpose of that is to cut down on the weight, right? So I'm out of shape. I'm a flatlander. I've probably never been above, 3,000, 4,000 feet in elevation, and we're going to be, you know, fluctuating between 8 and 10. Does that sound right, guys, for Colorado? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, okay. and that would be, I mean, I think my dad hunts between, like, at 11 or right. something yeah, like that. And, so, and we're, so it's kind we're, of on the lower. Yeah, and, and wherever we're going, it's real extreme, so it's probably closer to that. Um, but he, over the past few years, we've been talking about this trip. He has charted out the easiest way to get back in there. And we're going to pack out of camp, go back in there, get after him. And this this one valley that we're going to, he very seldomly runs into people because it's very hard. We're going to be walking um, with minimal elevation changes, probably uh, five miles to get back in there. We're going to get up at like two o'clock, start walking back in there. And then there's this one big descent. And, you know, and then on the way back up, we're going to have to ascend out of this valley. But it's going to be brutal. It's going to be a good time. Um and then hopefully next year uh, I can upgrade some of my gear. Like I've got some, a real cheap pair of boots, um, but I don't want to buy a $300 pair of boots just to figure out that my feet need something different. So I went the Merrill route. I'm going to be rocking those, listen to my feet. And then for next year, I'll have a, a pair of boots that addresses the needs that my feet tell me they need. So it's going to be a good time, man. I'm really excited about it. And I have a feeling that this is going to become like an annual affair for us. So, uh, I mean, I guess with our experience with, what you say about the boots are, are you going to be uh buying a even halfway decent set of um insoles or something like that yeah i'm yeah, saying that yeah. seems gonna, pretty yeah ballsy. and that seems like standard <laughs> across the board is everybody buys their boots and then like puts their custom or their preferred insole in there i think i got them somewhere i haven't cut them down they're the rei green feet Okay. Or the, the green foot, whatever it is. It's just a, you know, it, it's just kind of like a good starting point. So I've got my pack and I've got my climbing sticks and some weight put in there. And every day I'm walking with uh, my, my boots on, just trying to get accustomed to having that weight and identifying hot spots on my back and adjusting the weight. So it's a huge learning process. It's probably going to take years to go. And that's going to be a muzzleloader hunt, I believe, right? No, no, it's going to be archery. It's going to oh, be, it? uh, it's gonna, yeah, we'll be there. So we're going to pack in there three days before the, so we're going to be in there um, three days before the season starts, which I think is the 25th of August this year, if I'm not mistaken. So we're going to be in there locating the elk. Um, my uncle doesn't do a lot of calling, so that's what we're bringing to the table uh, if we can find the wind to do it. <laughs> um, but we're going to get back in there, try and be on the elk, and then opening day – we're going to that morning, we're going to be back in there tucked in on wherever we found the elk. And according to him, uh, the pressure that he sees isn't uh, immediate. A lot of people are in there like the day of, they start packing in there the day of um, or a day later. So we're hopeful that we can get back in there, but it, it's, it's archery only um, over the counter, no quota, nothing. And how long is your trip allotted? I think 10 days. 
but that's to that's to allow for us to blow up in the first like 72 hours and have some time to recover and then try to get back out there for a couple more days and so is your your buddy bringing a a bow or i mean so what like i'm just trying to think about like so the first day you go in there and and he shoots one and you guys don't have any equipment to hunt and you've got 10 days i mean all right have you have you thought about that colorado <laughs> I mean, yeah, if we kill, so my buddy's going to be taking his bow. I'm not, okay. I, I can't afford a license this year. So I'm just not taking my bow. I mean, that's just all there is, there is to it. Um, so, uh, if anybody, you know, who knows my podcast, I got a Boykin Spaniel and had to put a lot more money into her than I expected. Uh, so that kind of drained my, my ability to go after elk, but, uh, you know, with the purpose of killing them. But since I was given all of the gear, my buddy's going to take his bow and we're begging him to leave it in the, in the, in the truck when we leave because there's just no way we're going to be able to uh proficiently get up and down the mountain get after it the way we need to and be able to kill an elk i just it's not going to happen i I just know it he's doing great with his training he's doing he's he's running 5ks and stuff like that but uh i just i I think we're i think we're going to blow up i think the the work's going to be a lot harder than we can replicate over here in the southeast and it's going to be a multi-year effort to get into shape but if my uncle kills an elk and we can get it out and there's still time then you know he can it's over the counter so he can just run up there and grab no it's i think it's 20 minutes to the next uh hardware shop or something like that and they sell them right there it's what my uncle said so um it'll be a good time we got a backup plan if it comes to that yeah i mean i just think about like you know so we were out there and we i think took the opposite approach so we were like well you know what fuck it like we're gonna we're gonna give everything that we can but we also i mean so i think in the in the and our preparation was almost like the mentality was opposite of that. And everyone that we talked to, and even, you know, even with uh, with Whitetail, it, it seems like as these guys that are consistently doing it every year go in with the mentality of, I'm going to kill something every time I step out there, not it's going to suck. I mean, we knew it was going to suck. It was just, we tried, to, our preparation was to make it suck less, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think, John saw it, it, it definitely sucked. And like, you know, we talked about on our pocket, you know, with me going up the hills at any sort of fast rate, that wasn't my thing, but, <laughs> right. but I could cover ground like, you know, no problem. And like, I don't, I don't feel like I got fatigued or I, um, like it didn't like compound like by day seven, it really sucked, but it didn't, it wasn't like, day one on top of day two on top of day three it was right, it was right. it, it well for me it was <clears throat> i mean it it sucked but like having the right boots my boots were, are great boots but not for a flatlander they uh my it was like it was like giving a pair of figure skates to a guy just starting out like yeah go ahead you know try to skate on these when your ankles are so weak well that's kind of like my boots they were my my ankles and lower legs were not strong enough. So like every night when we were coming back after walking, you know, 10 miles, it was any little rock I was twisting an ankle. And so for me that compounded, but like, yeah, going up hills, like during the day, mm-hmm. you know, that was no problem. Just, you know, a steady pace, even though it was steep and gnarly. I mean, I got, I mean, I'm six, three, so I have some pretty long legs, so. but Going, man, I got three steps to year one. <laughs> going downhill <laughs> at night in the dark, you know, after a long day of hiking, that was 
you know, that was tough on me. Yeah. I think, I think that's one of the things he keeps emphasizing to me is like, you're going to have this idea you're going to just like, you're just going to go right. Like you're just going to climb up the mountain. You're going to horse your way up there. He's like, dude, if you can only lift your foot up and move it six, eight inches, and that's the pace you can sustain at a time, you're going to get up that hill a lot faster than if you just go wind yourself and then you have to recover and then go wind yourself. You know, he's like, everything out here is like, you know, being methodical with what you do, you know, thinking out every step as you go. And he's like, there's going to be times where you need to move a hundred yards and then get a shot. And he's like, you don't want to have gassed yourself trying to force yourself up the mountain with big steps. If smaller steps are going to get you there uh, with about the same amount of time. So it's going to be fun. He also said that downhilling and side hilling just will absolutely wreck my ankles. I should, yeah. you know, I've been doing some stairs and trying to prepare for that, but it's tough with this heel. Yeah, that's that's definitely the worst. The side hilling and the downhill yeah. was definitely yeah. the worst. But I mean, it, we, you know, for you going to Colorado in the high, higher elevations, definitely going to be a factor. Where the highest we we hiked was sixty five hundred. So. You know, I mean, it's still up there. I mean, we're right now we're sitting at 600. So, right. But it's definitely like when I was out there the year before in Montana, we went up through the Beartooth Pass. And I think that's that's up over 10,000. We were, we were on motorcycles, but we stopped and took a walk. And just hiking up, you know, a couple hundred yards, I was gassed. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's definitely a whole nother ball game when you get up into them higher elevations. So you definitely want to take it slow and, and, you know, pace yourself, take your time. Absolutely. You know, I felt the difference. We went up to the Pisgah national forest up in um, North Carolina, uh, three years ago and we went camping and we did a lot of hiking while up there. And I think Pisgah, the, the highest peak on Pisgah is 57 and some change. Mm. Um, and I think we were fluctuating between like four or five and like five while we were hiking. And I felt like a difference there, you know, like I definitely felt it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was talking to my uncle the other day. He's like, yeah, take that and like triple it. It's going to be, <laughs> it's the, the wind. You're just you're not going to feel like you're going to be able to get air in. So it's going to be cool, man. It's going to be a lot of, like I said, it's going to be a suck fest. I am, I embrace that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff I enjoy. Um, as much as I talk about how much I hate the heat down here, I take a, like a, a sixth sense of pride in the fact that I bow hunt in like shorts and gro- and Crocs <laughs> to stay cool. You know, like I grind those days out. So um, I kind of like to inflict punishment on myself. So this, this should be a, a good test for if I, if I really think that, or if I've just lived a, a nice plot in my life and, and like the idea of it. <laughs> So when you talk about that, uh, the Bohani and Crocs and uh, in shorts or whatever, um, what are you do? Uh, what are you doing right now? Are you, you doing any turkey hunting or anything like no. that? No, no. Turkey season came and ended for us. We've got uh, man a really short turkey season here. Uh, I think it's only four weeks long. Starts in mid in mid March and ends in mid April. Um, I think it depends on the year. Uh, the southern zone, Florida's divided into two zones. I think the southern zone gets sometimes gets an extra week. We kind of get an extra week sometime. I, I don't pay that much attention to it. I kind of wake up the next day when it comes to turkey season, and if it's turkey season, I get after it. Um, but, no, man, right now I'm doing a lot of fishing. Um, we've transitioned back into fishing. It's something that I grew up doing, enjoying, and, you know, we're, we're focusing on uh, integrating that back into the Chase and Tails platform. It was kind of part of what we were to begin with, and, um we're kind of moving into that but uh it won't be too much longer we'll be thinking about deer season again 
Well, that the the fishing portion is kind of why I wanted to get you on here and, and talk because you you know you've you've got some pretty cool uh, things going on with uh, a bunch of the other podcasts, and you asked me if uh, if I was much a fisherman, and I mean you know how how John fishes, so yeah, you're always I'm always like the the middleman. Like, it's like, well, ask John, talk to John. What's John doing? He's fishing. I'm like, fuck, man. We'll just, I'll get you on the podcast. You talk about fishing. All right. So here we are. <laughs> well, and I've sent John messages in the past. I don't think he's much a fan of Facebook because it'll be like three, four weeks later. I'll get like a response like, yeah, man, I like to fish. I'm like, okay, cool. This is going to be like pen pals. This is like old school pen pals. I'm going to write you a letter. It's going to go across the country. You're going to get it. Think about your response and send it back. Okay. Got you. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I very seldom look at, I mean, I have my Facebook and I have Instagram, but the main, I'm, I mainly just like go through our, the Bowhunter Chronicles. That's, I mean, I don't ever post anything on the others. And then, Every once in a while, I'm like, holy shit, I got a message on here. (laughs) I was just looking the other day. I had one from someone sent me something like it was like 16 weeks ago or some shit. I was like, oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, our listeners are going like, what the fuck? Yeah, John is an asshole. What an asshole. No, if you want to get a hold of me, anyone listening, just just send it through the Bowhunter Chronicles. And if I don't get it, Adam will, and he can forward it to me. So, So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you forget John's like yeah. fifty years old. So. Hey, hey, hey! I'm only forty four. Come on. <laughs> I had no idea John was that young. <laughs> <laughs> we we did have a listener who said it that he watched our YouTube video of the the hunt that I blew, and uh, he said it was like learning that Darth Vader was James Earl Jones. He was like, he was like, I thought John was like a middle-aged man with a beer belly or like, what do you say, a spare tire? And I'm, and he was like six four. I'm like, he's all those things. It's like, I don't know. I said, I don't know how. Well, hey, I don't across. have a beer belly. Come on. <laughs> oh, oh man. Well, you know, John and I have a have a, have a, definitely have a passion for fishing. That's uh, oh, in right. fact, uh, he spent. We both spent time living down here in Florida at some point in time. So. Uh, I think it's it's hard to live in this state and not appreciate the fishing that's here. I mean, it's it oh. can be done. I, I did it for a while, but uh, eventually it catches up with you. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I lived in Florida, you know, back in the early '80s. But before that, we'd go down. My we had family friends that lived down in Fort Lauderdale. I remember going down there as a kid, and my dad would, you know drag me along with and we'd go fishing under the bridges and we'd go crabbing at night and I just I mean that just like sparked an interest in me I mean way back then and so you know for years back when uh right after I graduated from high school my first wife and I would go down with the kids every year for spring break and I would just I mean it started out the first year and I bought one surf rod because I'd like we're staying right here on the ocean I'm like man I got to get a rod in the water. So then it just kind of, I accumulated, you know, half dozen surf rods. And then my buddy come down and he brought his little flat bottom boat. And that was a whole debacle. We tried doing the backwaters and we got stuck in the mud and trying to throw a cast net. And I mean, <laughs> it, if we would have had a video of that back then, I mean, we looked like two drowned rats. You'd be in jail or not have a license. <laughs> yeah. they, they did not ask the limit on certain species of fish yeah well we might have kept one fish at 
over our limit of redfish or something like that. I, don't, I mean, I'm just saying it's, <laughs> it's a long time. It's, it's, a, it's a long time. I think the statute of limitations run out on that. But the good thing we couldn't catch any more bait because we, we definitely would have been in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think every fisherman, it's unlike, I don't think hunters do this as often as fishermen do. And, and, I, and I, I've oftentimes wondered, and John, maybe you can give me your opinion on this. Um, I, I, it seems like every fisherman has a story of when they were younger, you know, sub twenties or something, just like when, when you're in that first like couple years of exposure of doing fishing on your own, everyone has like severely violated <laughs> some, some game law. Because like, I remember I, <laughs> my dad left me at this dock one time and I'm in, I'm fishing the, the, the Atlantic coast and saltwater fishing. And I'm sitting there and I caught like, 19 redfish okay the limit was five i think it was like five per person right and none of them were in the slot some were over the slot some were under the slot and i'm just throwing them up on the bank like dude this is a tasty fish i had this at the store the other day i'm keeping this redfish so like <laughs> this oh, man yeah. that i called grandpa fred comes up with the four wheelers like hey what you got down there and he goes holy shit son <laughs> and i'm like yeah dude isn't this awesome he's like dude none of those are legal I'm like what <laughs> He's like, yeah, throw them in the cooler, dude. Like, throw them in the cooler. Let's go. Let's go clean these things up before you get you before you get caught. <laughs> and I was like, you know, looking back, I probably did that a couple times before I realized it. You know, like I didn't know any better. I just filleted the fish up right there and took it home. And Dad's like, sweet redfish meat, you know? Right. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're tasty for sure. And I that was kind of like what happened to us. We had, well, allegedly, we had three fish, <laughs> and one of them was in the slot. One was over the slot and one was just under the slot so we were you know we had one over our, back then it was i think it had just changed to the one fish limit per person so wow yeah it yeah, was, yeah. florida takes a lot more seriously too oh yeah especially <laughs> especially the redfish because we, yeah right after that we went back to the local bait shop and we were talking to a couple of old cats there and they're like oh yeah Whatever you do, don't mess around with the limits on them redfish because they take that real serious down here. <laughs> like, <Dude>. holy shit. <laughs> oh, I love it. So. <laughs> well, see, I think you, like, what your story, I, both your stories, because I was trying to think, like, if I could relate to to that. And, like, like, it sounds like both of you really didn't know what you were doing was wrong. Yeah. Right. I, I think up here, um, you know, we have these gigantic, um, salmon runs and the salmon just die. Right. I mean, they just come up and die and they're right there. And so I think that's the big, when you're young, oh, yeah. like you get out, you get your license and you can go, uh, your, your driver's license and you can go right. without unsupervised and you're just snagging the shit out of these salmon. And like back in the seventies or whatever, it used to be legal yeah. and then they made it illegal. And it's like, you try and catch them for like 15 minutes and then you're like, well, I'm going to snag this one in the mouth. And then you get him in the tail and then and you're like, well, he's going to die anyway. So you hit him with a stick and throw him on the bank and get him in the dark. I mean, that's, yeah. just, that's what people, I've seen it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, never partake. <laughs> I've heard well, stories but, about it. <laughs> so, so here's, as someone who's, you kind of touched on something here, is, and I think it's, it's kind of, a neat moral question, right? So let's say that a fish on its own is illegal to keep. And I've always wrestled with this and I, I know what I would do. 
but a fish is illegal to keep because it doesn't make the slot. It's, it's too big, too small, whatever. But it is clearly going to die based on the way that you just hook it. It ingested the hook. It, it, it's bleeding profusely. Is it more ethical to throw that thing in the cooler and put it to good use or throw it back in the water and follow the law? Right. And that's, I have that dilemma too. I mean, it, it's just, and it happens sometimes. Oh, it happens a lot. That's, I mean, well, for, for me, like when I'm down, like when I go down saltwater fish, pretty much all I use now is just circle hooks, you know, right. just to kind of eliminate that factor. But yeah, sure. it's, it's, it's definitely a, a moral dilemma. I mean, you're going to throw that fish. It's, I'm like, I've thrown them back and sat there and watched them flop and then they're dead. It's like, so now what? Well, then all of a sudden a shark comes up and eats it. So you just fed the shark, but you know. Well, I think, I think it translates to hunting because, you know, now so many states, ours included, and uh, you either have antler point restrictions. And I think you were saying like some places they have to have like a certain spread or, you know, this many. I mean, I couldn't. John knows for a fact, I couldn't tell you how wide a buck was or how many points it had, you know, if you decide that you're going to shoot it or it's, it's, you know, and so what happens then when you shoot one that it say it has to be 14 inches wide and it's 13 and a half or, right. or something like that. Do you leave it? I mean, well, I think in that case is you, you call and you report it and you yeah, take you, your lumps, you know, yep. they're going to be more lenient on someone that, you know, has an accident, you know, something like that, where it was a mistake, whatever, with the, like a deer, something, you know, a big game animal, you know. But then a fish? Then, I mean, what if you call them and say, hey. Yeah. They're yeah. Gonna, with the, in the in the world of video and phones and all that stuff, I mean, it's pretty simple to see. Yeah. yeah but, I mean, you could I mean, you could at least say, hey, look, this is what happened. And they're going to say, no, it's an illegal fish. It's yeah, in your possession. Yeah, yeah. Because yep. you, could, you could do that with a fish that's, Say you catch a mutton snapper and it's got to be 16 inches and it's only 17. Well, you put your finger in the gill and rip it while it's dead. Exactly. Well, you know, I gill hooked it. It's it's going to die, so I'm going to keep it. Well, they're going to be like, no, throw it back. Yep. It's, you yep. know, so with a, with a, you know, big game animal, you know, if you leave it, you're going to be in trouble. You yep. know, if you shoot it and leave it, don't tag it, whatever, you got to call and report it. And if you don't tell them and get caught, if you don't tell them and get caught, exactly. you're going to be in more trouble because they're not going to be exactly. They're definitely going to, you know, put a hurting on you then. Yeah, I think I think the only way you go about that, I think the only wise way to go about it is if you're going to intervene, you need to call the law and own it right then and be re- and be prepared to take your whooping. Like you said, I think Adam, I heard you say that is you just kind of you just kind of take it. You know, it is what it is because at least at that point you can be like, listen, this deer, you know, was bleeding from the nose. It had obviously been hit by a car. It was in horrific condition. It's like one point away from being legal. I shot it. Come get it. If you want it, I'll be here, you know, but it it wasn't, you know, I feel like that's the only way that that ends with any kind of like semi productive ending, you know, like where you come out, not (laughs) losing your truck and your gun. and your license. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I can't lose my truck. They could take my Honda Element, but <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, are you an are you an Element guy? I get whatever my wife hands me down. So that's what I currently have. Wise man. Wise man. <laughs> so I mean that's just that's just what happens. If they took my element, I would have to get a truck, so <laughs> come you'd, on. You'd have to drive the Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I got no shortage of 
transportation. It's just <laughs> that's what I <laughs> currently have. So, hey, man, that thing's all-wheel drive, ain't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Just don't stop. That electric all-wheel drive, as long as you keep moving forward. <laughs> You know, well, what are you going to do? But yeah, I mean, every time I talk to Walt about fishing, I'm like, yeah, whatever, fishing. Like, uh, yeah, okay. And we were talking about it a little bit before the podcast, but like, I've said it a whole bunch of times. John and Frank and uh, uh, Frank's buddy Ernie and, um, you know, my brother in law, they're all going over to Augray to do some walleye fishing. And I went last year and it was fun. I, it was cold and John's boat caught more than. And he was over there for like 15 minutes. Then we caught like the whole time that I was there. And then as soon as I left, then they caught a ton of fish. And I, it's cool, but it's just riding around in a boat. Like it's, I do not enjoy, I enjoy catching fish. I don't enjoy fishing. I love hunting. I can sit in a tree all day long. And because there's that anticipation, like all my hard work, all my preparation, like it's going to happen. Something's going to happen fishing and especially if i'm on somebody else's boat and not like when i go you know salt water like charter fishing is different because i never know what's on the end of that hook but especially with walleye fishing for me and i mean this is blasphemous it's it's so (laughs) like oh my god I i can't believe it but like every walleye that i've ever caught and i've not caught like a giant walleye but they i they fight like a log or like a, a pair of like swimming trunks. Like it, I, I catch a dogfish and I'm like, Oh, it's a big one. Like, Oh, and the, it or just fights. And it, it's just so much more. It's like a pike, you know, it's so much more exciting than a walleye. And right. But it, tell you what, they're the walleye are way better. eating. Yeah. And I just <laughs> ate one that you caught the other day and it was great. And I didn't have to ride around in the boat. I didn't have to get anything ready. <laughs> See, I love, like, walleye fishing for me. I mean, going over to Saginaw or going over to Lake Erie, I love that. You know, we're pulling planer boards. You know, we got between four and six rods out. And, you know, we're pretty much meat fishing there. I mean, yeah, they don't fight. They don't fight. You know, it's like, like you said, it's like dragging in a boot. But, like, when I'm fishing, like, I went out Saturday night. I I didn't leave the house till like, 1030. I started fishing. It was midnight. And... I'm just out there, you know, trolling along the rocks, just a rod in my hand, and you're just anticipating that bite. You know, you're looking at the graph, looking at your depth, and then it's just it's just a matter of getting the right bait, getting it in the in the in the strike zone, and then bam, it happens. So, to me, that's just just waiting for that that bite and feeling that hit. Yeah, they don't fight much. I mean, that night they're a little bit different, and you're using a lighter rod. You know, I'm using a, uh, a small, medium, medium action, you know, I think it's eight to 16 pound, you know, line weight, whatever. So seven foot. So it's not like our board rods where you're using eight and a half foot rods and you got 20 pound mono on it and you're pulling in a board with the fish. So, but, you know, I love all kinds of fishing though. Salt water especially just like Adam's saying, you never know what you're going to get out there. Yeah, so for sure. I think, I think if I had my preference, I'd probably never freshwater fish again. <laughs> and, 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 and I say that knowing that Thursday afternoon, I'm going bass fishing, <laughs> but like, if you gave me a preference, I prefer red fishing. If there's one fish I could go after exclusively for the rest of my day, and you told me like you would fully equip me to go after them day in and day out. 
dude, I wouldn't even think twice. I'd tell you it's redfish. My wife it will tell you that I'm trying to get to convince her that it's a good idea for me to get a redfish tattoo. Okay. I mean, like <laughs> that is just that, that is, that was the first big saltwater fish that I caught. In fact, it was a story that I thought about when I was sharing about breaking the law, you know, like, like, <laughs> it, it as an adolescent, I just want to emphasize that. Um, but you know, I, I think there's something to be said and, John, you kind of took it, the words out of my mouth earlier when we were talking where it's very – you hunt for fish. And I had a fellow break that down for me just a couple of days ago, and I never realized that that's how I felt about it. But, the, you know, you read topo maps for deer, right? You you read you read seasonal patterns, and especially for bass and, and things like that, redfish and trout inshore where the water temperatures fluctuate a lot, shallow water, so water temperatures fluctuate, or probably up there where you guys are where it's always like in the negative temps as soon as it starts <laughs> to, to break out of that. You know, you, you have these pattern shifts and you can look at those topo maps like you would deer and be like, OK, they're going to be here for bedding. They're going to be here for pre-spawn. And you can start to kind of read those those predictions. And I never realized how addictive that is. Oh, yeah. like I never I never did that. But for me, it was like, oh, deep water oysters. OK, throw a piece of dead shrimp over there. There's a strategy behind it. Oh, yeah. That's... And it, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. Even even on the offshore stuff. I mean, like I'm I, you know, we just went down, you know, to the Keys for spring break and, you know, we rented a boat. And ever since I got back, I've been on my Navionics and I'm looking for reefs and I'm looking for breaks and, you know, different depth lines. And, you know, then I'm looking, uh, researching and, you know, what what's running at this time of year down there, you know, with the cold wire, the golf's coming through the golf right. stream. And, you know, even all the, I mean, it's like you're saying, I'm addicted to that kind of it's just like hunting, you know, just it really just, is just hunting for, you know, something in the water. <laughs> and who gives a shit if you move around a bunch, whereas with the deer, you, you can, you know, scratch your nose too quickly and screw up and then right. your season's worth of effort. I mean, you go fishing at any point in time. It's likely that you could, you could hook into a quote unquote Pope and young style fish of whatever it is you're going after. Cause there's just more of them. Right. I yeah. mean, a Pope and young style buck. I mean, what would you say? It's like a seven, eight pound bass. Yeah. I mean, that, those things are dime a dozen around here. It, you don't really do anything great until you start to break the ten pound mark down in South Florida. Yeah, you all know, right. Like, <laughs> go ahead. you can finish your thought, but I'm just, I'm just saying it's, it's one of those things where you have the opportunity to catch a great fish that would be the equivalent of a great deer much more often than you do a great deer. There's more water, more fish. You don't have to deal with the pressure like you do. It's 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 fun. It's it's very similar. Shares a lot of a lot of similar things. Well, one of the things that I thought about when you, you were talking about Onyx and, and the ability to move around and all that was, um, you know, hunting. You're limited with public and private land, and um, you know, outside of you know, like I said, like trout fishing or whatever, um, where you have to get out and get on the banks or here and there. I mean, what you guys are talking about is that doesn't really matter. You you can go wherever you want to for for the most part. Um, yeah, as long as you don't go in like the preserves or yeah. <laughs> sanctuaries. Yeah. But um but yeah, so kind of like what you were just talking about is like you're saying okay, well 6 7 8 pound bass. Um so I guess that kind of transitions into kind of what you've got going on right now and kind of like a a beef that's got John kind of <laughs> kind of pumping his brakes on trying to join you on this one. Yeah. So, you know, I 
when I talked to you and you told me that John was scared to, to, to compete because he doesn't like losing. Well, well, talk, about, some... talk about the competition. You know, what, what do you? <laughs> okay. All right. That makes, that's a more natural progression. You're right. I should know better. I'm a podcast host. Um, yeah. So what we're, what we're working on here is we all, you know, this just as well as any other podcast host, we live and die by our listeners. And I've always wanted to do like a little rendezvous with people. And it's so hard because my listeners are national and international. You know, I've got a pretty good little European base that, and, and Australian base that are listening to the podcast. And, uh, you know, I've got West Coast guys and California guys. You know, California is like our fourth biggest state. So I'm sitting here scratching my head thinking, what can we do to engage with these guys, to give back to them and let them get involved with us and interact with us directly, which is something we just it's, it's hard to do. And through some great brainstorming ideas, it, it was the idea of the first ever Yakin for Bass challenge was born. And this is going to be a fully online national bass fishing competition that anybody can join, anybody can participate in. And the whole premise of this is to have fun and to fish against the guys that you sit in your car every Monday morning t- on your commute. You turn on a podcast and you're like, this Adam guy doesn't know what he's doing. I could do this better than him. Or Walter just runs his mouth all the daggum time. I'd love to shut him up. This is the this is that opportunity. We've partnered with four or five different podcasts uh, and YouTube channels, and you get fished directly against us. And the best part is, we're not taking home anything that we win. If we compete against you, if we get if we happen to land first, second, third place, if you're in fourth and you're not a creator, you take home the prizes. So. It's a guaranteed payout for any of the listeners, and you just get to talk smack to us and show us up. So it's a pretty cool idea. And so it's bass, right? Any black bass species. Okay. Any black bass species. Um, so the format, if you want me to, you want me to go a little further into it? Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the format is a five-fish aggregate limit. So you can submit up to five fish. And kayak bass fishing tournaments, because weight is such a subjective thing, you measure your fish in inches. And what that does is, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions, that really levels the playing field because a 24-inch fish in Florida might weigh 13, 14 pounds. But a 24-inch fish elsewhere, like let's say you get up to Ohio or Michigan, that fish might only weigh six or seven pounds. So it starts to really level that playing field quickly. Um, And what it also does is it allows you to fish since we're doing any black bass species, it, you know, your spotted bass, your shoal bass, your smallmouth, if there's black bass in your state, you can compete in this competition. And from what I'm seeing, if you can catch five, 18 to 20 inch fish, you're going to be in the right. I mean, it's just the average, the average Joe tends to place in these tournaments about an 18 to 20 fish, 20 inch fish average. It's fully online. It's hosted through an app called Tourney X, which handles the entire tournament, the leaderboards, the judging. They do literally everything for you. You take a photo of the fish on a board that measures the length. We, you know, those details are in the rules. If you want to know what kind of boards qualify. Let's say but, I can make a board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it just inches 12 through 14 will just disappear. Right. right. It'll just start over at 18. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to use a tournament approved board, which we're not going to be like sticklers about this. If it's clearly marked, it doesn't look modified. It's, it's going to be entered. If you have any questions, send us a message and we'll get back with you. But, um, 
it's going to be for a month long. And the reason why we're doing it for a month long, that seems kind of extreme to a lot of people, especially if you're in the tournament world. The reason for that is we want everybody who listens in the States to be able to participate. And if we do it any one weekend or any one week, you might be on vacation that week. You might get a bad front that comes through and shuts up the fish. So we're going to host this thing for an entire month. You get to talk smack, compete against us. And really all you need is one good weekend of fishing to be in the running. But in the event that, like I said, you have a family vacation or something that, that like that, you can fish the entire month of June. You can cull fish. So if you catch five fish and all of them are 12 inches, and then, John, you, you land a 19-inch fish, you can put that into the live well. So it's a feature on the app. And when you get back home and you and you to the Internet, it says, do you want to replace your smallest fish with this 19-inch fish? And you say, hell yeah. Oh. There you go. You press play, and you're off to the races. All right. Well, what, what, what stops you from submitting the same fish multiple times? Honesty. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 it becomes obvious. So when you upload, so you, okay. What stops you from doing that is actually easy. Uh, the, the app uh, takes the photo itself. You don't take a photo of it and upload it to the app. So you have to take it live. And if you try and place it too many times, it has photo recognition and it kicks it out. Cool. So it, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, um, legit app. Well, I'm definitely intrigued now. I was, yeah, when Adam was first telling me about it, I'm like, well, like you were just saying, like, man, Florida's, you catch an eight-pounder. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you could catch those all day long if you're in the right spot. And then, you know, 10, 12, I mean, we're lucky if we ever get an eight-pounder up here. Yeah, I mean, you know, the guys, the pro guys can find them, but, you sure. know, the average Johns, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, that sounds like an awesome deal. I mean. It definitely level the playing field going by inches instead of pounds. Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing people need to realize, anybody who's uh, like kind of concerned about the, 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 the large fish we have down here, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like we don't have an abundance of large fish. We absolutely do. But I think the difference is our best fishing was at least a month ago. From here on out, the fishing is just going to get worse for us until about October. So, you know, we're, we're going to, what's your, what was your water temp when you went fishing the other day, John? Uh, 51. Okay. When I went fishing last weekend, it was already 84 degree surface tips. Holy moly. Yeah. I'm right. Not, and, and a lot of our, and a lot of our lakes are tannic dark water lakes that are shallow and very large. So they get hot very quickly. So by June, we're going to be fighting hundred degree weather, things that want to bite you everywhere you go and fish that are very lethargic and deep. So it, it's by no means going to be a, a cupcake match down here. Yeah. Matter of fact, on, I was fishing like in the, in our channel, which is Muskegon Lake. And then it goes out into Lake Michigan. So the channel water was between 51 and 55. But then when I was out in Lake Michigan, that was down to 43 degrees. So, right. you know, it's, it's freaking cold yet. Yeah. Exactly. I did catch a so, really nice smallmouth on the way back into the channel, but they're not open yet. So, probably... see, that's foreign. That's foreign to me. Somebody else sent me that message the other day. I was like, "Is this going to be later in the year? Because our our bass season isn't even open yet." I was like, "Bass season? What are you talking about?" Yeah, it doesn't open here until <laughs> uh, Memorial Day weekend. Right. Yeah. So. So yeah, no, it's um, it, it's going to be a good time. And the other the other caveat to this, guys, um, I can't believe I left this out. I think I did, um. It, it, it's kayak, paddleboard, and canoe only. No combustion engines, and and the reason for that is it just levels the playing field. It makes it it makes it fair for everybody. If you have a kayak, 
you're more uh, limited than, you know, John, who's got this, I'm sure, like ultra tricked out boat that, you know, like finds the fish for him, navigates out there and, and, and pinpoints it, you know, um, it just it makes it a more even thing for everybody. Technically, right now, all the only boat I own, I'm looking at it right now, hanging upside down is my kayak. Right on. Look so, at you. So I, my buddy, my buddy Jason has a boat. That's, I mean, uh, okay. I fish with him and like, like, uh, Saturday night he was working. So I'm like, Hey, I'm stopping to get in the boat. So it's, it's nice to have friends like that. So, yeah, seriously, he can deal with all the boat problems. <laughs> <laughs> but I also feel like, well, I feel like you've been sandbagging, um, to, to some degree, because if you follow along with his Insta story, he's catching these bass on his lunch break or whatever. And he's like, Oh, look at this one. Look at this one. And like, like they're tiny. I mean, I'm thinking he's in, in Florida. These are supposed to be like, you know, so he's, he's like, ah, oh, yeah. I mean, I get it. You're, you're catching bass. You're, you're fishing on your lunch break. And all I think about is like, my hands are going to stink like fish and like you know, <laughs> yeah. go back to work and all that stuff. But it, so I grew up like with a pond behind my, my parents' house. Yeah. on the neighbor's property and it's stocked full of bass and so every time you would walk by there you know you'd stop at the pole barn grab a fishing pole yeah and catch a couple bass and like by you know through through our childhood and the you know four kids and numerous neighbors and everybody that fished the pond it's like these fish were like half their lips were gone like literally and like you could just catch them every single time, like toads. Mm-hmm. There's these little toads that hatch, and you just throw those out there, and it was like as soon as they hit the water, it was just boiling. Uh, so I was like, that's what I was asking you. I was like, does it have to be from a kayak? Because I mean, I could put, I, and I could catch the same fish on multiple different days. <laughs> you know, I'd have to flip them over or something, so you didn't see the same scars um, <laughs> on that. You know, you talk about. Uh, you know, as Frank would call it, violating uh, in your younger years or whatever. Like <laughs> we used to sneak onto this country club and catch them out of the. There's a water uh, hazard between the 17th and 18th hole, and we'd we'd walk right onto the oh, golf yeah. course and and catch yep. big bass out of there. <laughs> And that's yeah. something I wouldn't do today. I mean, how good are the prizes? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, so as it stands right now, and we're still see, we're still in negotiations with three other corporate sponsors. We've got six corporate sponsors right now, and uh, we're giving away twelve hundred dollars worth of prizes as it is right now. Um, so, uh, and, and and here's the other thing, guys. So we're not just giving away prizes for winning. So yes, there's first, second, and third place. So those people are going to take home stuff. We're also giving away a tethered mantis um, to anybody who registers a legal fish. That's literally all you have to do to be entered to win a tethered mantis. All you have to do is, 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 is register one legal fish. So the way I look at it, I, I did a podcast with Parker McDonald the other day, and he's like, dude, this is the most no-brainer I've ever thought of. In my, and he said, this is the biggest no-brainer ever. For 25 bucks, you get entered for a raffle to win a tethered mantis. Even if you don't like saddle hunting, you can sell that thing for $225 tomorrow, and it won't be listed. It won't be listed for like three hours. So this is the easiest way to just you know be entered to uh, to win that. But um, if we hit the numbers that we're we're anticipating, we're also going to be doing 
uh, random giveaways to uh, our Facebook group that we've set up for this. So if you're interested, if this is something you want more information on, the Yakin for Bass uh, Challenge, that if you Google that in the group search, it'll pop up. You can you can be entered into that group. We're going to be doing random weekly giveaways. So it's going to be like the person who enters the smallest fish this week is going to get five packs of Zoom flukes. And uh, the guy that, you know, the first person to register exactly a 14-inch bass this week is going to, you know, win X, Y, and Z. So we've got a bunch of stuff that, that we're going to do in addition to this. It's not going to be a hardcore tournament. Yes, you can be serious about it. We ask people to, to take this, you know, be competitive, but, you know, recognize there's no there's no cash prize for this. There's no gift cards being sent out. This is this is some product that, we're, that we were kind enough to have donated to this to – to engage with you guys. Um, and there's going to be no shortage of laughs. There's so much smack talking already going on in that closed group. It's not even funny. So, um, and it's really cool. It's really awesome to be able to engage with the people who turn tune in every week. You know, you don't get to hear from them on a daily basis. So once we launched this and we had a couple people join that group and they were, you know, you could tell how energized they were to participate. It, it's been really rewarding to be able to talk to these people directly. And so who all is involved with, uh, as far as podcasts and uh, who's, who's uh, involved in doing this with you? Yeah. So starting with the podcast, you have the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. That's Parker McDonald and Adam Cruz. Um, the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. Those are two PA boys up there near y'all, Chuck and, Chuck and uh, Austin. Really cool podcast. Really down-to-earth guys. The Southern Outdoorsman. That those that's Jacob and Andrew. Sorry, I always get Southern Ground and Southern Outdoorsman tongue tied. Uh, another great podcast coming out of Alabama and North Georgia, and then we have G Two Outdoors, which is Greg Godfrey, aka the the Godfather of saddle hunting. His YouTube channel is participating as well, so he does a lot of bass fishing in the summertime out of his Hobie. He 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 lives and breathes Hobie. Um, and you get the bass fish against him. He registered a hellaciously good bass the other day on a Cinco worm on his lunch break. You talk, I, I did a good one the other day. I think he caught like five and a half, six pounder on his lunch break. And that hurt. That hurt a lot. Um, so, but then if you don't mind, I'd like to give credit to the people who are, who are making this event possible, the sponsors of this. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. So we've got Cadence Fishing, their direct to consumer. Uh, rod and reel company that for every rod and reel that they sell they're donating kids youth rod and reels to the cast program which gets special needs kids involved in fishing and accommodating their needs to get out there and enjoy the outdoors like we do the sportsman's alliance is sponsoring this obviously they're out there you know protecting our rights to hunt and fish and trap tethered yak attack and such as vacation rentals now that's a little bit of an oddball um but such as vacation rentals, we haven't decided how we're going to include this in the prize package. This might be one of the ones we just just flat out give away to anybody who registers fish. But we're giving away a three-day stay in a cabin on a stocked trout stream up in North Georgia. This is like way up in the, in the, in the mountains of North Georgia. You're almost to Tennessee. And all you have to do is get there. We're going to comp a room or a, a, a cabin on the river for a three-day stay up there. So that is really wicked cool. And it, it's it's stocked with brown, brook, and rainbow trout right now. And I think cutthroat are coming are going to be stocked next year. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. <laughs> so, John, does that answer all your questions? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Now, now the real the real question is: Can we get Adam in there? And can we get him excited about fishing? 
<laughs> like I said, you know, I, well, I I was like when we first started this podcast, we we're throwing out names. I was like, man, we should do something with hunting, you know, with hunting and fishing. Like, ah, no, no, just bow hunting. Like, <laughs> but, but I'm like, but I fish probably more than I get the bow hunt, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do, I do too, man. And I have a I have a really lengthy season here, but it is ridiculously easier to wet a line than it is to get after uh whitetails i mean it's just it's 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 super quick you can ease your but you especially with kayak dude you can throw that thing on a like i'm building a trailer and it's just basically going to get locked to my trailer and then when i get home from work i'm gonna change clothes i'm gonna fly back there load it up my wife's gonna get home we're gonna load the dog up and we're going kayaking i mean it's just too easy especially in the summertime well yeah we you know where adam and i live right here and it's actually called you know our little township is called twin lake we actually have we have four lakes like my son and I take our kayaks and we literally just walk them down there and put in Adam lives on the south side of the lake and I live on the north side of our our lake is called West Lake so <clears throat> we can just go right down there matter of fact my the kayak that I have the first day when it got delivered I brought it down there and my wife and I are checking it out and she she gets in it and she's like well it seems a little tippy so I get in it I sat down and I did a little rock, whoop, sploosh right over, and I had my cell phone in my pocket. I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. A well, little <laughs> iPhone repair. <clears throat> but, but, yeah, we have and we have really good bass fishing on these lakes. I mean, you know, they're, they're not real big, but they're definitely plentiful. So, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I might. And, so, I heard you say something about a $25 raffle ticket. So, I'm assuming it's $25 to get into this uh tournament yeah yeah so it's, it's 25 dollars, which is just over half of what the average tournament goes just for people who are like thinking you know about these tournaments you know the average tournament is about 40 to 50 bucks um we're doing it for 25 five dollars of that goes to the app and then we're going to cut a check to the sportsman's alliance um when this is all said and done so the tournament's going to be run we're going to be buying some 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 uh gifts to, to give away some stuff to give away. And then after that, we're going to cut a check to the sportsman's Alliance to, you know, obviously send the money back to the people that are allowing us to keep doing what we're doing. So, um, it's really cheap. I mean, I, for, for, for the, the opportunity to, to win the, the gear that's coming. I mean, that's just kind of a, to me, that's a no brainer. We, we priced it low on purpose. And not only that, that means to, you know, to basically make a donation to the sportsman's Alliance. I mean, that's right that's a good one in itself. So it's a bonus. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I'm hopeful that, you know, this will become something that we can do every year. And as it grows, you know, that's just a mechanism to that, you know, that's just going to be a bigger and bigger check that we can send them every year, you know? And I just, I look forward to the idea that, you know, we can all get together, have a good laugh. Y'all can poke fun at, at, uh, at, at my dink fish that I'm going to be catching come June. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and, and, and all the, and then all seriousness at the end, the money's going towards something that uh, is is going to make sure we can do it again the next year. I just that seems like a perfect recipe to me. Absolutely. Now, have you reached out to any? I, I mean, I noticed that those are all sounded like hunting type podcasts. Um, or did you leave the bass fishing podcasts or that out of this on purpose? So <laughs> no, no, I didn't leave them out of it. The, th this all came about about a month ago, and I have been rapidly trying to develop relationships 
with some with some bass fishing podcasts. The problem with a lot of your bass fishing podcasts are they tend to be hosted by professional bass anglers, <laughs> and their time is so limited. I, I just it seems like uh, we haven't had a whole lot of interest uh, in doing this. However, um, I reached out to a couple more. And uh, I'm going to say this to anybody who watches YouTube and they're like, God, I really like this guy. And he's on YouTube. Reach out to them, shoot them a DM and say, hey, get with this bearded ginger down in the south who's doing this tournament. I am more than welcome to add any other creator to this list. So if you have a creator, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube channel or just a funny behind Instagram account, I don't care. Send them a message. Tell them to get in contact with me. Link us up in a group chat. I'll take it from there. But I don't want this just to be limited to hunting podcasts. Those are just the connections that I had, and we wanted to take advantage of that for this year. So um, I'd, I'd love to have some more people participate. And who um, – I guess when does this start? When does it end? Yeah, so J- June 1st. You can register all the way through June 1st at lunchtime. If you register by June 1st at lunchtime, you can fish until the end of June. It literally starts June 1 and ends June thirty. Okay. So it, it's it's a it's a full month's worth of fishing. And then how are you? Uh, what's going to happen for the grand prizes, etc.? Blah blah blah. Are you going to be doing like a live event or getting together with as many of these people as you can and yeah, you know, kind of that's... trying to do do something? Or this is kind of a first year type thing, and you're going to play it by ear. There's, there's a lot of playing it by ear. Because this was put together um, about a month ago, a lot of people's summer schedules had kind of been set. You know, Parker had to go and become a homeowner, you know, which I think is ridiculously selfish. And, you know, Greg has a business that he's trying to run. Um, so, you know, no help from those guys. But in all seriousness, we're, the, the majority of the creators, with the exception of the White Toe Distraction guys, which unfortunately are up there in Pennsylvania, our hope is to get together in July or at the end of June um, and announce these winners. Um, it probably, it'd have to be like really early in July. So it's, it's probably out, but we're trying to get together and do a grand, uh, giveaway. And the, oh, the other thing I, I left out guys is if you're a winner, if you're, if you're the first place winner, uh, we're going to have you on the chasing tales podcast and you're going to get to talk whatever smack you want to talk. You get to tell us exactly how you caught those fish. You get an episode dedicated to yourself. So you get to come on here and just show everybody, uh, how you whooped, uh, myself and everybody else is included so um there's a lot of details to be determined and i think this could this is kind of like a fluid first of years kind of thing here and uh you know next year if this thing gets big enough next year who knows we might fly across the country and record live uh with one of the winners or go fishing with one of the winners you know you never know what could come of this well that's almost enough incentive for me to pay somebody to catch some fish for me (laughs) <laughs> sounds like john to do it for you <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that he's gonna have to start liking fishing a whole lot more for me to do yeah anything for him yeah you know what we need to do john we need to bring him down here to florida and we need to we need to like in march y'all need to come down we need to go down to like the lake Kissimmee and lake lake okeechobee and put him on a bunch of big bass oh, yeah. and then i think he'll be hooked after that i don't know i mean i i, I would be more I've never had as much fun as I've had on like a little skiff uh, fishing in Mexico um, where we are catching fish like hand over fish, uh, hand over fist, you know, just just reeling them in. And, you know, a lot of people come up here and they want to, you know, go out on Lake Michigan and catch salmon or, you know, it's been a lot of steelhead lately. And I I love catching steelhead. uh, I mean, in the river, 
steelhead are just amazing. But bass fishing is just like, like I said, I think, I think I'm real jaded. Like I said, from the backyard, I mean, every cast bass, bass, well, I mean, bass. They don't taste good. Like I don't know, bass. It's a whole, I mean, bass fishing, I mean, especially down like Florida, like he was talking about, I never got to fish Lake Okeechobee, but I mean, having those those big beasts coming in at like a top water lure and having them break the oh, surface yeah. and you know smacking Crush your lures, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, it, it's just it's a whole different you know ball game when it's. I mean, it's a lot like what you're talking about with the that skiff fishing. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what you were catching down there in in Mexico, but you know, we ca- we were catching Sierra and um, yeah. You know, rooster fish. We are going after rooster fish, but yeah. You well, know, like the redfish, like mm-hmm. going back to your favorite, like pound for pound. I've never. I mean, those fish are some of the toughest fighting, and then the best eating. You know. Oh my god! Yeah. There. I mean, the, so many different ways you can cook them. Oh my god. But yeah, and they're hard fighting fish. When you hook into oh, one of those, yeah. you get a big bull red. I mean, they're they're fighting machines, especially in that shallow water stuff. Oh yeah. Well, and you, you got them tailing, and you can you can you know pitch to them and watch. You know when they when they kick off, when they see that bait, you know they're going after it. There's that big boil of water oh, as yeah. the tail just like hammers off, and it's and it's just the anticipation is insane. And they do fight hard, man. My biggest redfish I ever caught was 33 inches. And I caught it in a little backwater creek, dude. I'm talking like back, like 15 feet across backwater yeah. creek. And I fought that thing for 25, 30 minutes on a medium action rod. I thought I, I thought it was a stingray, you know, <laughs> until it started doing like, yeah, until it started doing like the head shake. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it's awesome, man. Redfish, you, they're such a, like, they're such a salmon esque fish right like they're not white and flaky but you can do things with them to make them white and flaky right. but if you, you you can like roast them in olive oil and like, you know with some lemon on top of it oh man steaks man they're, they're just good fish yeah so we'll have to get you down here both of you guys need to come down here bring the kayaks and we'll, we'll go out the golf uh like this time of year next year catch cobia catch redfish catch some big trout have a good time doing it yeah, man. I'm in. <laughs> Sounds like a great thing. You know, you 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 send me some dates, and we'll we'll make something happen. But um, yeah, man, I I really appreciate you coming on here. Like I said, I I want to catch up with you and 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 let everybody know kind of you know what you had going on. It's a real real cool thing, and you know I I've I'll consider it. All right. That's what, I, that's, what, that's what I get after getting the whole thing and, you know, getting, having you get John on board. Um, I will certainly consider, I might donate my money, um, to the sportsman's <laughs> Alliance. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that being said, I know that you get up at one thirty in the morning and you, uh, Pretty much. I don't know if you work. I post pictures of fishing. You're texting me all the time, and you're <laughs> calling me, whatever. Um, so <laughs> I know you got to get to bed, and you're a, a staunch. If you've ever listened to the T- Chasing Tales podcast, he's like, "We're coming right up on an hour here, uh, so I got to get you off of here. I got to, uh, you know, be respectful of your time. Um, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't. Maybe that's like his. He has to pee after one hour. That's his, <laughs> it's what he's got." 
Um, but yeah, so we, you know, we've, we've kept you on here for, for eight minutes over your hour. So, uh, you know, I just want to say thanks for, uh, you know, taking the time with us tonight and, and, and kind of cutting up, but, uh, yeah, it sounds like fun. And I, I really hope, uh, you know, some of our listeners take, uh, take you up on that and kind of, you know, I like to hear that the money's going towards a, something, you know, not just prizes yeah. or, or, or this, um, you know, right. everybody wants to know about the 2% for conservation or what you're doing for, yeah. for conservation and, and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, it sounds like that that's a, a real cool thing. And I know a lot of our listeners are, are hardcore fishermen, too. It's just this is not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I'm willing to bet that if you put your money on the line, that that'll gnaw at you just a little bit. And you might actually get out there and do it. I bet you if you put 25 bucks on the line, I bet you that'd be just enough to get out there and go do it. Yeah. I don't know. It's possible. <laughs> You're an accountant. I'm a pharmacist. We look at money differently. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> but seriously, man, I appreciate you having me on, dude. And if anybody's got any questions or, or comments or suggestions, or like, again, I'm serious. If you know a creator that would like to participate in this, shoot them a message. Um, you know, y'all can find me at Chasing Tales Outdoors on Facebook, Chasing uh, Tales Outdoor Podcast on Instagram. We're on Podbean, iTunes, anywhere you need to. We we recorded a whole episode dedicated to this, um, but I just want to thank you guys again for you know having me on to, to tell your listeners about this, and um, I think it's I think it's going to be a good time. And John, I'm I'm excited to hear that you're excited about it because actually I sent Adam a message like a couple of days after we launched it. I said, do you think uh, John would be involved, uh, be interested? You were you were like the first message I sent. So. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, John still hasn't checked his Facebook, so he'll get back. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, it'll be June of next year. Like, oh shit, yeah, I'm in. Oh wait, that was last year. <laughs> All right, so, guys. awesome, man. Thanks again. Absolutely. Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. 
I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.